We're Talking Drums, bringing extreme discussions from the world's top drummers to your ear holes. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Welcome to another episode of We're Talking Drums. I am your host, Corey, and uh, we got a good one for you today. Now, there were some slight technical difficulties, some uh, artifacts in the audio that uh, couldn't RX out, but you know what? We're going to put it out anyways. I uh, had a wonderful conversation with Ali, the drummer of Creep Show. This guy is absolutely incredible. He uh, comes from South America, grew up in Venezuela, made the move to Australia, and then he moved all the way from Australia to Canada to play for the band Creep Show. All right, if that isn't dedication to playing for a band, I don't know what it is. All right, this guy's awesome. Uh, one thing before we hop in here, just want to say, you know, if you want to support this podcast a little bit more keep these conversations flowing we love doing them for you and uh we just want to keep these coming and getting to as many people as possible right so i've uh, gotten so many so many messages as of late um from all you people saying how much you're enjoying it and it's inspired you to start drumming again or or continue drumming or or anything like that, and you know what we want to we want to keep that train rolling. So if you can just share our episodes with your friends, uh, toss them up on your Instagram stories, whatever, tag us in it. You can find uh, our Instagram for the podcast is at We're Talking Drums, and my personal one is at Corey H Drummer. Give us a follow, uh, stay in touch. If you if you have any questions or concerns, you can reach us at. We're talking drums at gmail.com. Okay, here's my conversation with Allie from Creep Show. Allie, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast, man. How are you doing today? Not too bad, man. Thanks for having me. Um, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh what? Is it it's Thursday, right? Yeah, so weekend's coming. Got oh yeah. You know, I got a busy week. I got a show up in Ottawa. So Oh nice. Yeah. Where whereabouts you know where you're playing? Uh Mavericks. Nice. That's a cool venue. Yeah. Honestly, probably my favorite place to play there. I haven't played the Brass Monkey, which is the other like mid-sized venue before you get to like the really big guys up there. Um, right. The Brass Monkey. I haven't played that in years. Like since. Oh man. My very. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't done much of Ottawa. My well, is it? Wait, you said Ottawa, not Oshawa. Yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa right. Ottawa, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Ottawa. Yeah, I play Mavericks and. But that's about it, really. I don't think I played anywhere else. I played. Oh my god, I played in 2017 in some place. Uh, I used to play like a in a, like a ska band back in Australia, and we'd had a Canadian tour. Nice. And oh, I can't even remember. They had a bunch of pinball machines. I remember the place was pretty cool. Honestly, I think that's the Brass Monkey. Is it? I th- I I feel like it is. Like I I played there back in 2012. I want to say. Um, nice. Yeah, it was something like that. Like one of our first uh, tours and our fir- our only time out east, and that was our first show. We were 
so late because we are literally our van was in the shop and we got our van um like they had to put a new engine in it so we literally got our van we threw all our fucking gear into it and we booted it to ottawa of course we hit like the worst traffic imaginable uh and then (laughs) um by the time we got there we were late for our set like (laughs) <laughs> the time had already passed that we were supposed to play. So we went on dead last, like at like 2 a.m. And like nobody was there. Like it was a, oh, it was God. terrible. <laughs> but I remember that I'm pretty sure that venue had pinballs. And I think they've redone it a lot since because I know like I'm pretty sure like Annihilator plays there and stuff like that. They oh, wow. do a home because they're from originally from Ottawa. Uh, right. So when they do a hometown show, I think they play at Brass Monkey. So, so is that is that the place where you sort of like you go down the stairs? Yeah. And like and like the stage sort of like ceiling, it's like super low. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. the place. Okay. It'd be the same. Place. Okay, cool. There's honestly there's not very many places in Ottawa from what I know. So and Mavericks is my my favorite. I've played. Um, I think it's Cafe de Cuff, which is above Mavericks. Right, it's much much smaller venue and no green room or anything like that. So it's like, but playing oh, man. Mavericks is sick. There's no, there's not a lot of space for gear at Mavericks. No, but. not at all. But you know what I love the most about Mavericks? The little pierogi stand right outside the venue, which is pretty much connected to the venue. Little pierogi stand. I don't um, know what you're talking about. I yeah, man. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's sort of like only been there for like a few years or something is it pierogies maybe i'm mistaken i don't know if it's pierogies or might be the wrong country no 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 pierogies um, or poutine? <laughs> no 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 i'm pretty sure it was pierogies that i had there and it was like pierogies poutine as a matter of fact and oh shit. yeah you gotta you gotta check it out okay yeah no like i'm, I'm going there in like two days so yeah 100 percent. i'm going to keep my eye out for that nice so like yeah usually in ottawa i'm there like in the in the summer and they have really nice outdoor patios and stuff like that so it's always fun to load in and then just go walk around because where Mavericks is is like a nice kind of like little downtown area. But yeah, it is. The, w- it is, the one it is. thing I noticed though is as soon as like six, seven o'clock hits, kind of it goes dead. Like it, it does. It was super strange like that. I don't get it. But uh, yeah, other than the people coming out to the show, which ninety five percent of the time at Mavericks, it's a really good time and like really good crowds there. So. Yeah, I'm stoked yeah. about it, man. I'm stoked. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue telling you about food in Ottawa because all I know <laughs> about Ottawa is going to places to eat. And there's another place down the street, not far from Mavericks, but just more for like breakfast place. Mm-hmm. It's like a a type of like breakfast brunch place, which you sit and inside of like a bus. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the bus is like literally parked inside the restaurant, and you like go inside the bus, and they got like tables and stuff. It's pretty cool and really good food too. Dude, that's sick. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. What, it's really all nice. Right. What, do you know what that place is called? I'm writing this down because I want to go there. Oh man, uh, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure if you type like on Google, like Ottawa bus breakfast, it should come up. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's continue this conversation. <laughs> We're already getting derailed. Um, a little but, bit. Um, that's all right, dude. That's fine, man. We're just here to chat. <laughs> I like yeah, it, dude. I got to find out about these cool places. I'm, like, I, I've like i done a decent amount of touring, and I, I found I, I never 
really got to be that adventurous. Um, right. Anytime, like I, I would go out and do anything. It was really based around like wanting to get a drink somewhere. But I'm not drinking anymore, so now I'm like, I want to experience like other stuff, like. I don't know, culture of the city or something cool, you know, not just like, where can I get a pint of Guinness? So, you know, like, like every single tour. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that was always the go to let's, let's go get a pint somewhere and just sit down. I'm like, nah, like, like I want to walk around. I want to find somewhere cool to eat. Like, you know, like something like that. So I'll, I mean, but you know what? A pint of, a pint of Guinness, I, I'm not big on Guinness myself, but I have to say the place where I do it, no matter what, at what time of the morning it is, at what time of the day it is, every single time um, we go to Europe, which we normally do sort of like a stopover in Dublin, mm-hmm. me, um, Chuck, Chuck Coles and Ginty from, from the Creep Show, mm-hmm. we always end up at the same bar. I remember last time we were doing a stopover and it was like seven o'clock in the morning and we just sat down and we were like, yep, three pints of Guinness and three shots of Jameson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but just because we're in Ireland, you know, and I need, it actually tastes different, believe it or not. Oh, dude, I, I hundred percent believe it. I 150%. I remember being in, um, in the UK. Uh, I think I was in London for a little bit and I, I had a pint of Heineken. Now, right. I don't like Heineken very much when I'm over here, but when I was there, it was like, oh my God, it was the greatest thing ever. Like I couldn't stop drinking because it was so good. And I don't know if just that trip across the ocean or something does something to it, but just having it as, as fresh as you can. And I know Heineken's uh, from the Netherlands, but um, still it's close enough. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I can't. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, having a pint of Guinness in Dublin is like, oh, amazing. So, oh, dude, dude, it's incredible. This place is it uh, Zach's Cantina? Does that ring a bell? I'm pretty sure it is. The one in Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it that looks rings like a it. bell. Yeah. Cool. All right, I'm gonna go there. Awesome. I found it. I'm nice. pretty pretty proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, all right, so let's get into it, man. Uh, you play drums for. The band Creep Show. Um, so you are not their original drummer. So I am really curious on how it came to be that you started playing drums for a Canadian band. Uh, meanwhile, you were living in Australia, but you are originally from Venezuela. So that's right. You know what? Let's just start from the beginning, man. Um, <laughs> how how uh, how did you find the drums living, uh, you know, in, in South America? And and just give us a whole tale. Right. So from a very young age, sort of like my mom and dad, thankfully, started getting me into like pretty cool music. There's some um, there's some videos that my mom has. I don't know if she's. I hopefully she still got him. Um, but like videos of me being like three, four years old in my like little crib, and they will play like queen to me and i'll be like jumping up and down and stuff and my dad introduced me to like black sabbath and stuff and and you know um they were both sort of like always very musical people and um from a very young age i always loved music i always had like a tiny little drum to play this typical venezuelan type of music which people play in like during christmas time which is called a gaita Mm -hmm. so i had like a little tiny you know, one piece drum with like two big sticks and I just 
hit it as hard as it could. <laughs> and, and, you know, and just always kept listening to music until I was about maybe about 11, 12. And my two cousins um, started getting into sort of like punk rock music from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, my older cousin introduced me to Metallica first, obviously. <laughs> we all started Metallica. Yeah, of course. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I started, they started showing me some um, punk rock bands. Um, like Rancid, for instance, I think it was one of the first bands I've ever heard that had to do with punk rock and stuff. Blink-182 at the time, they were, you know, the, the I guess, the superstars of the time, I guess. They were sort of like rising up with Dude Ranch and stuff and Cheshire Cat and so this that is kind like, of stuff. So this is like late 90s. This is before like... Um like Travis Barker got into the mix and everything like that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool, cool. And um, and I remember um, then at the time that Travis joined, um, my two cousins were already sort of like um, playing guitar and bass, and you know, I used to go to their house on the weekends and stuff, and they used to do sort of like silly videos pretending to be Blink One Eighty Two, and they needed someone behind the drums, so we used to grab a bunch of pots and pans and stuff, and and I would sit behind it, and they would sort of like write make like little drawings in my arms like tattoos and stuff and we would do like videos i guess nice they were pretty funny um <laughs> but then eventually you know they, they, they started talking about making a band and i was like 12 years old so i was like oh man i wanna i wanna be their drummer you know so i asked my mom and dad to see if I, they could you know get me into drum lessons and they did and and you know um i started you know, my drum lessons, etc. And um, by the time came, when I came to my cousins, it was like, okay, I'm ready. They already had a drummer. Ah. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. I was devastated. But um, anyway, um, I never told them that. So if they're listening to this, yes, you broke my heart. <laughs> um, anyway, so by the time I got to sort of like high school, um, a few buddies of, you know, high school, we're getting into music, etc. And um, we decided to form a band and um you know i jumped from band to band in venezuela until sort of like the mid mid 2000s which uh i got in a band and we had an opportunity uh like a local band and we had an opportunity to go on on a tour with compact kit in um in south america oh shit dude that's i know (laughs) yeah that was that was pretty crazy i mean before that the the past few years um, every single you know, majority of bands that would come to Venezuela, like Death by Stereo, uh, strung out a bunch of like different punk rock bands. I would always go to the shows. I got the chance to open for like a few shows of those. And mm-hmm. but then, yeah, this comeback kid opportunity came along, and uh, we went and played. Uh, I think it was Peru, Ecuador, Colombia with them. And you know, being sort of like at the time, comeback kid was like that huge band, and it, wow, and going on tour with them it was sort of like surreal. But anyway, um, long story short, uh, after that, I moved to Australia, where I was for about 10 years, I'm pretty sure it was. So what brought that on? What what made you make that move? Um, well, Venezuela is not, um, it's a beautiful place. Um, it's a beautiful country. Um, however, it's one of the most dangerous countries in the world, um, most violent countries in the world. So a lot of, you know, pretty... I guess PTSD-ish things that could occur occurred, you know, growing up. It's, mm-hmm. And it's pretty normal for those kind of stuff to happen, you know, uh, to people living in, in Venezuela. You know, friends getting killed, being kidnapped, stuff like that. Um, you know, I I had 
one of those things that happened to me. So at, at the time I was just like, you know what? I got to leave this country. Yeah. Like, I don't see a future here. Um, I don't see a future, obviously, in music here. And um, it was always what I wanted to do for a living. Mm-hmm. So so it was it was partially like, all right, if I want to do music, I need to get out of here. But also, if I want to survive, I want It was to more leave. if I want to survive, I want out of here. Yeah. 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 So a, a good one of my best friends at the time, um, Marcos, he decided to he was going to Australia to study and like migrate over there. And um, the migration programs from South America to Australia at the time were fantastic. And I decided to jump on board. And yeah, and I moved to Australia and started studying English, even though that, you know, in Venezuela, from a very young age, they teach you English. It's a little like a mandatory subject, which is great in in um for, for you know for kids to be able to speak this kind of language and to learn it um but anyway i moved to australia in 2009 i started studying and um uh, it wasn't for a few years um that i that i picked up the the drumsticks again um uh, for about three four years after moving to australia i was like you know there's something missing because uh, all i was worried about was you know working um getting sort of like settled over there mm-hmm. getting a, a residency to be able to stay in the country etc so to so like all build up and um, I had to, you know, prioritize stuff until the time came that I decided to start playing drums again. And um, I managed to find a band um, at the, um, called the Resignators, which is like a punk ska band, mm-hmm. which um, I didn't didn't know um, at the time that um, they had released a couple records with uh, Stomp Records here in Canada, oh. which is the, the same label where uh, Crip Show is. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I didn't know, um, in 2016, um, the resignators, um, we did a tour in Canada. So I remember that the first date of the tour, um, was in Toronto at the bovine. I'd never been to Canada before. So sort of, it was sort of like I, I landed cause I had to come a, a day later than the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. So I remember that, um, that I landed um, and I went straight to the venue, so you can imagine just jet like a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> after flying for like I don't know ten thousand hours. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> you get to the country and you go straight to the venue to load in, um, sound check, and then just play a show. So I was so out of it. Um, but after the show, I remember we played the show. It was pretty cool. It was uh, my first time up at the Bovine, and it was amazing. Yeah. Bovine's um, a rad place, man. Um, I love the Bovine. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Like, uh, I would be okay with not playing a show there ever again. Like, I I, I could probably live with that because uh, it is like it, it is rough sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, it's a super rad place. I I've met some of the my closest friends and the raddest people and seen some sick shows there. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's it's the best place, um, one of the best places for the music scene in, in Toronto, that's for sure. Well, yeah, especially now that, uh, I don't know if you ever were around for the Coalition days, but that was like punk and metal and everything, an underground venue, and like, sadly, that, that is long gone now, but... Uh, was that the place where you would you go sort of like downstairs? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right, so I'm pretty sure I was at the last show of that venue. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, which uh, a good friend of mine, a uh, Venezuelan friend that lives in Toronto, Arturo, he plays in um, 
in like a Simpsons cover band. Oh, and shit, really? And they're amazing, dude. They're incredible. Yeah, I know. So many people have like talked so highly of them. So shit, man. The B Sharps, that's the yes, name. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, they're a great band. And uh, yeah, so our tours are an old friend of mine who also left Venezuela for the same sort of reasons that I did. And yeah, so he lives in Toronto now, which is which is great. But um, so anyway, um, so I remember going back to the bovine. Um, I remember I played that show um, at the bovine and afterwards I went to sort of like the back area and uh, Francis, the singer from the Resignators, comes up to me and says, hey, there's someone at the back that wants to meet you. And um, he, and it was Sean, Sean McNabb uh, from the Creep Show. Mm-hmm. And at the time, dude, um, fuck. To me, the Creep Show was the band that I, I remember that I discovered on MySpace back in the day. <laughs> I used to be, I, I, I always been into punk rock. That's always been sort of like the type of music that I love, that I had a passion for. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyway, um, I used to be into Tiger Army a lot, and I remember seeing. Do you remember how in like in MySpace days, um, bands would have sort of like the top friends or whatever? Dude, I was literally just before we hopped on this call, I made a joke to my friend referencing the the top ten. You know, so that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, dude, absolutely, hundred percent, man. Yeah. Well, um, I remember that um that, it, that there was like a. A photo um, with like the name The Creep Show, and I was like, oh, intrigued by it, and I, and I clicked on it, and I started listening to their music, and I was like, oh my god, I love this band, and I got like super, super hot hooked with them, and um, I was a big fan of the band, even to the point where like my friend, uh, that friend that I mentioned before, Marcos, mm-hmm. he had given me like a Creep Show record as a gift once, and I like I still have it here and uh, here with me, um. But yeah, I was a huge fan of the band. So to me, when I got introduced to Sean and I was just like immediately like, oh my God, you're the guy from the Creep Show. <laughs> so immediately fanboyed out all over. Yeah, man. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, man, immediately. And I remember he was like, hey, man, with his like typical McNapp tone, how, yeah. how people say it. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, man, um, um, have you ever thought about moving to Canada? And I was like, no. Like, why? It's too cold. <laughs> Yeah, coming and, from uh, Australia where it's fucking it's beautiful all all yeah. year round. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we started we started talking and um yeah, he he said to me that he I reminded him I reminded him of his like uh the to Crypto's original drummer. Um which you know was very very flat, uh, flattening for for me cuz Matt Pomade is a fantastic drummer. I mm-hmm. I used to watch his videos online etc and, and yeah, fantastic drummer. So Anyway, we we kept in touch for a few years, so we I carry on with the tour. Um, went back to Australia, and um, yeah, me and Sean stayed in touch, you know, here and there. And um, a couple of years after that, the Creep Show um, went to Australia to do a tour, and uh, the Resignators were doing the support for for the tour. So so we at the time the the Resignators had this sort of like bus with like a bunch of bunk beds in it. It was sort of like the tour bus. Yeah. Nothing fancy. It was the complete opposite of fancy. <laughs> yeah, um, like a hook trailer at the back, and sometimes we would have to sort of like push the bus for it to start. But in order to push it, you'll have to unhook the trailer because if not, it's too much weight. And, you know, it's a bus, so you need like freaking 10 people to push it. So that's the kind of bus that we had. So we did a yeah, tour with the creep show. Push it and then and then back it back up to hook the trailer on and then yep, yeah, exactly like that. 
Yeah. Um, so we did we did a tour with the Creep Show like that around Australia, and um, I remember it was the second night of the sh- of the tour. Um, and we were sort of like having dinner and whatever, and I was telling them that oh, the Creep Show should go to South America and jada jada jada. And um, remember at the time, Sean said to me, "Oh, maybe you'll have to play drums on it." And I would be like, "I was like, what? Just joking." <laughs> just laying but anyway. he just slides that in there real cool like yeah maybe you have, yeah, yeah, have yeah. to play drums for us yeah so, so like I kind of like pretended I didn't hear it I guess so yeah. but anyway it kind of like stuck with me um, next morning um, we had a day off and we were at the time we were in Brisbane Queensland north of Australia and we were gonna the next show was in Melbourne which was probably the, the biggest show of the tour um, the day before that we had a day off so we were all gonna head down to Melbourne separately and, you know, um, spend the day off in Melbourne, hanging out, and then we had the, the show the next day. Mm-hmm. So that morning we were traveling, me and um, Kenda stayed in the, back in the hotel. Uh, Kenda from the Creep Show was staying in the hotel um, where we stayed the night before because we were going to catch a flight to Melbourne, so we were going to the airport, but the rest of the, my band and the rest of the Creep Show had already taken off. So I was just with Kenda having a cup of coffee and um, yeah, she, we started talking and at some stage she asked me, so how would you like to, um, you know, be the new drummer of the Crypt Show? Uh, I was just like, what? Like, like, I'm I'm sorry, what? Like, it was kind of one of those questions that just sort of completely throw you off base. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Like, of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like how do you how do you but, say um, no to that right yeah, yeah. i like I, I was i was in shock at uh when she said that um and she was like yeah but you know we get it because you live on the other side of the world and blah 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 and i said to her dude i would drop everything to go and do this like i don't care <laughs> i would drop ev- everything and anything and i would just come and do this because this is sort of like you know that childhood dream that you have you know be able to go on tour and you know being a awesome band you know play wicked shows and you know at the time was a dream come true so of course i said yes and um and here we are <laughs> a few years later three years later uh, since that i'm pretty sure yeah and you've spent uh about half of that locked inside your house so pretty yeah. much <laughs> so it's been great <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean i mean luckily the first year um that it was sort of like my first year here in in canada um, 2019, early 2019, as soon as I arrived, we immediately took off and we just toured and toured and toured and toured and toured. And, um, we toured until the point where, yeah, well, COVID started, which we were in the UK when it happened. We, we were with Anti-Flag. We did a, like a European, um, UK tour with Anti-Flag. And, um, during the tour, we started hearing about this virus thing, you know, hitting. Mm-hmm. And um, to the point where when we were flying back, I remember we got back from Wales to London to fly back to Toronto. And um, and they were telling us that, yeah, we don't know if the flight might get canceled because there's this virus thing. And um, as soon as we landed back in Toronto, I remember hearing like a couple hours later, they're like, yep, yeah, all flights from UK to Canada are now canceled. And I was just like, whoa, we were just like, we just made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many people I know that were on the road or whatever that they're like, okay, we need to leave now. And then as soon as they get home, they're like, yeah, like borders are closed and like this, that, the other thing is like, holy fuck, good thing we left. Like, 
Yeah, man. Everyone seemed to have pretty good instincts. Like, all right, no, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was pretty crazy. But, um, but yeah, but, uh, obviously, uh, before that, so in 20, 2019, um, we did a lot of touring, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, now, were you a, um, cause I think we're like kind of relatively the same age and like grew up with that kind of like early 2000s punk rock bands i know that strung out and death by stereo like you're big fans of and i was like huge into those bands back in my high school days were you a big anti-flag fan as well yeah man for sure so how oh, man dude how was that getting to tour with them because i was like like a new kind of army underground network mobilized terror state like those albums are like those were my records dude, yeah that, for sure man. that was like my i used, high I used to play yeah. i used to play covers of um underground net now underground network record with, with a band that i had back in venezuela oh sick so so it was it was crazy when um when sean told me oh yeah we're gonna tour an anti-flag i was just like whoa yeah this is so cool you know i can't wait to meet these guys because you know we we i share a lot of sort of like their political views and mm-hmm. the way they see you know humanity and the way that they're very social and they're very empathetic towards you know minorities um i don't know and it's kind of i always sort of like relate to how they express themselves and to what they believe in so it was it was like an absolute privilege to to be able to tour with them and 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 do it in one of the nights um one of the nights i got to play a song with them which was awesome oh that's awesome man that's so badass yeah <laughs> oh dude it was it was so cool and um i remember it was pat's the drummer's birthday so <laughs> i remember at chris number two was like so happy birthday pat for your birthday we got you a replacement drummer which was <laughs> i remember it was pretty funny but um yeah it was uh, uh it was absolutely amazing to be able to do that yeah dude that's killer yeah um anti-flag there was another another one that was uh like stuck with me to be able to play with them we we did like um a few run of shows with uh, in 2019 as well with Dropkick Murphys and, and the Interrupters. Oh, sick. and be able to play with Dropkick Murphys was also like wow, like another level. Like it was one of those bands that you know you've been listening to for years, and then be able to see them perform and be able to see the the level and the magnitude of show they have. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that was kind of like similar to me where uh, there's this. Uh, German power metal band called Brainstorm that I yeah. grew up listening to and me and my brother like we've been, I've been listening to this band since I was like 15 and never thought I'd ever get to see them and then we got to tour with them and I watched them very intently for 24 nights in a row and it That's was so like, cool it was sick man like and they we were playing right before them uh so that's so cool yeah i get off when you were able to do that yeah get off stage and like i'm like packing up some of my gear when they hit the first song i'm like this is so cool like i am backstage tearing down some of my gear and brainstorms fucking playing like this is the raddest thing ever like it was surreal that's so cool oh man i I wish (laughs) i wish um i wish i had the chance to do that with like for instance with uh with Mm anti-flag but with anti-flag um i was also their drum tech for for that tour Oh, but that's so, that's a that's a whole other level of awesome though. Yeah, it was it was amazing. But um it was um the the funny part was that you you can't imagine having to sort of like you know, you set up your gear. Well, before you set up your gear, you set up theirs, you sound check their gear, whatever, you swap your drum kit to yours, then you sound check yours, then you play your show. 
as soon as you play your show, you gotta switch drum kits like a mad person, mm-hmm. um, sound check it right there and then, and then there's about 15 minutes until the band hits the stage. So I have to run to the green room, get changed as fast as possible because I'm just a pile of sweat as any drummer yeah. <laughs> that plays a live show. Um, change my socks. That's the first thing you gotta do. That's the best touring tip. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Always have fresh pair of socks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just run like a mad person and then just run back to the stage. And by the time I get back, the other um, tech will like hand me like a guitar and a bass. And as soon as I get back, they're already walking on the stage and I just hand them the, their instruments and off they go. So it was like pretty, it was pretty hectic <laughs> for, for that tour. So it was just go, 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 go. It wasn't. You know, you get to finish the show and then you go to the green room and sit down or, or go to the merch table and have a couple beers. He was just go. <laughs> yeah, you're working the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah. But but it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, that's something where it's like it would be really nice to have that time off, but you can't miss that opportunity to do that. So exactly. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's uh, let's get into some some gear talk, man. Are you are you uh, a, a very brand specific when it comes to the drums that you play? Um, not really. Um, I play with a lot of different um, brands. I, I I like to. I had the opportunity to experience with a lot of this different stuff. I do have my personal favorites, which is what I use currently, but. Um, I don't know. I've always sort of like like to try different brands, different things, different um, textures, different you know steel, wood materials, etc. So, but yeah, no, I've never been sort of like attached to like one particular thing. No, what what kind of kit are you playing right now? So I I'm playing uh, a Yamaha Stage Custom right now. Um, my snare is uh, DW. Um, what series is it? It's a Recording, no, recorded series, recording series, I'm pretty sure. Collector series? Is that it? Or is it, the, okay, DW? Yeah, I think uh, I think it might be selector series, yes. It's a uh, mis-up steel over black nickel, which is sort of like Ooh. the DW version of the um, old school Ludwig's Black Beauty. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, so it's a 14 by 6.5. So it's it's yeah it's it's a freaking shotgun that thing's got a lot of attack and a lot of crack which I love cuz I I play hard I play loud I hit I like to hit the drums hard um so yeah and I I always um I combined that with um, an Emperor X Remo on the top and yeah to me for snare that's that's my sound that's my my to go which is also what i did um recently uh recording the new Crypture record a couple weeks ago at drive studios in toronto Ooh, um, nice with steve uh steve reason yeah. there there he's the man yeah with, with mr rice yeah, yeah he's the man <laughs> yeah that's sick all right so all right first off i just since we were talking about snares i am a huge fan of that 14 by 6.5 i just got a mapex persuader a uh, hammered brass snare, which is a 14 by six and a half. And I'm, nice. I'm absolutely in love with it. Again, man, dude, it's like a shotgun. I, I love it, man. I love it. I want to, I want to get a, uh, another steel 
snare as well to complement it. But uh, man, this I've never had a brass snare before, and I I don't know. Now I want to get a bell brass. I, I want all of the brass snares. Is it one of those like super heavy brass snares? It's not crazy heavy. Like it it okay. it weighs a lot, but it's only one point two millimeter brass. Uh, right. So okay. yeah, like I'd love to get like a three mil brass snare. Those things weigh like eighty pounds. Like there's yeah, man. Yeah, but oh, I would love one of those. I would lo- absolutely love one of those. Oh yeah. I used to have um with Mapix. I used to have a was it a black was it Black Panther collector series? I think it was. Yeah. Back in Australia. Yeah, it was fourteen by seven. It was huge. Was it was it a uh, brass hammered brass? Yes, it was. So maybe that was the sledgehammer then, or the sledgehammer, because that's mm. that's it's that's what they had before was a fourteen by seven hammered brass, uh, and it was a Black Panther series sledgehammer, yeah. uh, and they discontinued that, and now they only have the Persuader, which is a six point five. It's the same concept and idea, but it's just a half inch shallower right okay yeah awesome so. yeah i i had well i had that in in australia for a few years and it was amazing and um while in australia i was playing a a d drum the the a d drum diablo the one what um may he rest in peace vinnie paul used to play oh shit dude that's yeah like um and that that drum dude i don't know if you ever had the chance to play a d drum they're so good especially if you're playing sort of like heavy you want big chunky toms with a lot of attack yeah I I have oh. not. Um, I know uh, my my buddy uh, Eric Marotti up in he's from Ottawa. He plays for D Drum right now. Nice, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I ha- I haven't uh, had a chance to check those out, man. Uh, right now I'm on a well, I'm a Mapex artist, but like uh, I'm just like going through all their snares and everything, and and trying to I I want to own them all. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's the goal. Yeah. I want to talk to them though. They don't, they don't really have many, uh, seven inch, uh, deep snares, uh, in their new line. Uh, only 6.5s. I got to talk. Oh no, they got a 13 by seven. Uh, that's right. Uh, a maple, the hydro. Oh, that will sound amazing. Yeah. 13 inch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That would be, yeah, that'll have a crack for Mm -hmm. sure. Which I, I have a 13 by seven. Ma- um, maple that has like a, a walnut um, edge on it and it is uh, the, called the blaster snare and I got that one uh, and it's fucking sick I love it I love the 13 by 7 um, anyways alright enough snare talk let's talk about the new creep show record this is the first record that you've done with them um, yeah. What w- what was the process? Because did you guys have a lot of the record written pre-pandemic, or did this all kind of come about because it was like, oh shit, like all right, tours are canceled, we're stuck at home, might as well write a new record. Um the the whole plan was coming from before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we already sort of like had line line of sight that you know that new record had to come out. Um, because uh, Ben's last record came out in 2017, so by 20 in the end of 2019, it was already like, yep, yeah, we it's time, you know, we need to start, we need to get rolling with a new record. So we started putting together like things here and there. We had that last tour we did with Anti Flag, and then the whole world went to chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so during the pandemic, yeah, we we continue recording and we we kept sort of like prolonging it and just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Um, but yeah, now finally it's happening. Um, so we had a long time to put together the song. So every single song we put a lot of effort into, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited, super excited about um, about the record coming out. So yeah, hopefully by in a few months we'll be will be um released and um yeah we'll have it but as you said yeah so it's my um first record with them so i'm pretty excited yeah how uh, like is there any uh insider info you can give on this new record like uh and anything uh to expect that's gonna be different or is this like just like you know right down the barrel uh creep show you know like because they they have their sound they're established they know what they're doing um, did you guys like go in a different route for anything or like anything new and exciting happening on this one? No. Um, I mean, one of the things, I mean, okay. Yes and no. That's a bit of a loaded question there. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. So what I've noticed with writing with the creep show is, um, it's not like we got to go in this specific direction because this is the sound of the band. So that's, that's not what happens. Um, it's sort of like, this is what, this is the song that I got and let's everyone put our love to, you know, into making the best song we can possibly make. So it's definitely not typical creep show sound. Um, I could say it's very punk rock orientated record. Um, some of the lyrics are very political, which is, you know, I, I love that we, we have a song, um, which I'm pretty sure it's going to be the first single, um, which is going to hopefully open open some eyes in some of the recent uh, recent issues that have been uh, overtaking here in Canada when it comes to all the residential schools, etc. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're we're pretty pretty excited, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get our message across and and doing it in a in a good punk rock fashion creep show way <laughs> that's awesome man i'm excited i'm i'm super stoked to uh hear this new record and uh we'll uh we'll pump that new single uh, once it comes out for sure dude oh awesome thanks man yeah uh so you guys have a show coming up yeah yeah we have um well um one in toronto which is good yeah yeah uh, we have we have a few coming up but yeah if you um, you must be talking about the one in toronto i am december 4th in toronto with brutal youth filthy radicals at hard luck um do you know where people can get tickets i know a, a pretty large part of our audience is toronto based so uh is there is there anywhere specific they can go uh, or just uh kind of creep show if you just Google it, you know. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out for you right now. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure the the event it's been created on Facebook on um, Hardlock's website, and we have also been sharing it. So if you mm-hmm. if you hit um if you go to Creepshow's Instagram, I'm pretty sure it's on the bio. Yeah, there you um, go. We'll toss a link in the show notes. Check out for that. And also, anybody in Montreal, uh, you guys will be playing December 11th. This is a big one, dude. This is a fucking huge show with Planet Smashers, the Penske Files, who I haven't heard that name in a while, but that's fucking sick. 
They're an amazing band. Uh, yeah, the Peelers, uh, Bike Thieves, and Doghouse Rose, which, dude, Doghouse Rose, I've known those guys for a little bit of time, and I'm so pumped at how well they're doing right now with their new record on Stomp Records. Like, dude, it's it's so sick how... Uh, how how well everything is going for them right now like shitty timing with the pandemic and all but they're they're pushing through and like they're they're out with the anti queens right now right out uh, yeah out yeah west. they're they're out west and on a tour right now with with the with the anti queens yeah um but yeah man the the, the doghouse rose and they're besides what you said they're the nicest group of people too which is amazing they are um they're as a matter of fact the that was the first show that I've ever played with the Creep Show. Um, Doghouse Rose um, opened the show, and um, I, um, I I met him that night. I remember I, I had arrived to do a Canadian tour in 2018 with the Creep Show, um, end of 2018. So it was sort of like a warm up show. So mm-hmm. like my very first show with the Creep Show, we played in uh, in Oshawa. I can't remember the name of the place, but it's where I'm pretty sure a deer went through the window. A deer went through the window. What? Yeah, of that venue. Uh, I can't remember. It's it's like a tiny little venue. Okay, it's, well, super... it's the Atria. That's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's either you're playing the music hall, which is like a six hundred to or seven hundred cap room, or you're playing the Atria that's like a hundred. So yeah, this was it. like a this was like a Tuesday night. I'm pretty sure it was. It was sort of like, yep, yeah, we got to do a show, sort of like a warm up show before we go on tour. Because we're jumping on a flight, like in, like in two days, to go out to uh, West Canada to play, like Calgary, Edmonton, like a bunch of wicked places. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like to test the waters with me, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's when I met Doghouse Rose, and it's amazing to see where they are right now on Stomp Records, um, out west right now with with the Annie Queens, which I'm pretty sure they're they're gonna put out their records soon too, which is great. So it's all this, you know, Toronto bands. Um, by that, that with Stomp Records that are sort of like pushing through the pandemic, and it's ama- amazing. Um, with the support of Stomp, of course. Yeah. Um, dude, yeah, it, it's it, it's sick just seeing all these bands from from Toronto doing so well right now. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, and, and I'm the, keeping I'm going, that punk go- scene alive. I love it. Well, I'm going back to that that Toronto show. Um, you won't believe this is this is good. I've been in the band in the Creep Show for three years now. This is the first headline show that I'm gonna do in in, in the sort of like I guess hometown of the band. Yeah. So I I've never done a like a headline show with the Creep Show in Toronto. The the only show I did was opening for the Smashers at Lee's Palace. Um, I think it was on Halloween 2019, and that's the only time that I play in Toronto with the Creep Show. So I'm super excited to be able to play a, like a headline show with 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 the guys. Yeah, the last time I saw a creep show must have been one of the probably the one of the last shows with their old drummer, um, mm. uh, which was at uh, like Horseshoe Tavern, uh, and that was a sick show. Uh, and honestly, I I had heard rumors about uh, about you coming to play for them uh, for a little bit of time. I had a little bit of an in, not really. I I kind of know. Sean through passing our our girlfriends at the time worked together and stuff like that and I kind of heard that they're looking for a drummer and I was like I was I was I wanted to throw my hat in the ring but then uh, they're like oh we got we got a guy from uh from who's uh, from South America that's what they said anyways even though you're from Australia 
<laughs> so I was like, all right, all right, touche. I, mean, I, was, I was so hella busy anyways. Um, and uh, honestly, I don't play punk rock. I wish I did. I wish I was a punk drummer because I, I fucking love punk. I grew up on it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I started playing drums to play for a metal band. So yeah. it's really what I know. And that's, you know, me joining a punk band would, would take a little bit of time to get into the groove of it, really, I think. So. Nice. Oh, man. Um, but going back to, um, so that horseshoe show. Um, so if you got to see uh, Sandro playing with the, with the Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember first time I, I, like, when I went on tour with them, my, my very first thing that I noticed was how good of a drummer he was. He's, he was a, a monster, a monster on stage. I remember like the drum solo he used to pull off of his ass and yeah, it was like, incredible. So when, when they asked me to, to join the band, I was like, there's no fucking way I can play this. Like there's no chance. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I got to fill those shoes. What? Yep. That is exactly my thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, no. Okay. I got to go home and practice for like 80 hours a day. Like, fuck. <laughs> Dude, I know, I know that feeling, man. It's it's rough. I actually had a band uh, from Montreal that's like a super intense type of black metal band. Uh, call me up and be like, yeah. "Hey, we're doing a live stream. Our drummer is stuck in the states for work, and we need somebody. It's in a it's in like a month or like three weeks or something like that. Can you do it?" And I was like, um, what's your hardest song? And he sent me it and I'm, I turned it on. And within 30 seconds, I was like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, dude, I don't care like how much money you have. The amount of stress I would go through trying to learn this set for a live stream. I would. No, I, I don't think I can do that, dude. Sorry. Like this is <laughs> a little too intense for me right now. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, there's definitely times when you hear stuff and you're like, "There's no way. There's no way I can do that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And so you, so you sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself too, right? Like, do I want to do this? And in your case, you're like, "Fuck yeah, I want this. I'm gonna put everything I have into it." When other opportunities and stuff, you're like, "Is is this really gonna get me what I want? Is this gonna bring me the happiness I'm looking for?" Uh, so yeah, I had to be very real with myself and decide like, uh, no, this isn't going to really benefit me in the, the way that I need right now. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So dude, all right. So I, I, I always want to ask you a couple questions. Um, since you're a big strong fan, I don't get to nerd out about punk rock a whole lot on this uh, podcast because nice. uh, most of these guys uh, I talk to are are metal guys and stuff like that. So we talk about blast beats. Uh, so I'm curious, what is your favorite strung out record? My favorite strung out record would be "Twisted by the Sign." Yeah, that's oh yeah. man, I feel like that's a very like phoned in answer man that's everybody's favorite come on and <laughs> i don't know there's so many wicked songs in that record there's there's sort of like uh i think it's an ep i can't remember the name of oh uh the the sonic element of defiance i think it is mm-hmm. it's like an ep yeah and there's a song in that record called every day which is one of my favorite strung out songs um Oh man, there's so many i got i like like a bunch of strung out tattoos strung out was sort of like <laughs> like my first 
you know, love of, of punk rock besides Bad Religion and, and like Death by Stereo. Yeah, dude. And I will say like not a lot of my friends were big on Death by Stereo and I fucking love them. I, I, their first three records, I'm going to be like a little bit of like an elitist prick and be like their first three records. I absolutely loved and then Me too. <laughs> when Day Day of the Death, I think it was, came out, yeah. I literally, yeah. I was at school, I drove on lunch the day it came out to buy it, and I listened to it on my way back, and I was so disappointed. Or is Death, oh, really? death for Life. Uh, yeah. Oh, Death for Life, okay. Death for Life, yeah. Uh, day of the Death was, oh, that was a killer record. And Into the oh, Valley of, the of Death? Death? It's, um, oh. Yeah, Into the Valley of Death is the one that starts with uh, with the plague. Yes. Which is like, oh my God, mm-hmm. dude, that song on, on drums, especially. Dude. <sighs> Holy shit. <laughs> dude, that, that whole that whole album on drums. I remember I, I bought it. I went home and I put it on my little stereo in my room. And I, it, like, back in the day, like, I used to just listen to records, right? So I laid on my bed and I hit play and I just laid there and listened to the entire record. And it ends with that like super over distorted part, and it keeps getting more and more intense, and then it just like lets off. And yeah, you're like, it's amazing. Holy fuck! What the fuck did I just listen to? Like, yeah, dude. Oh, dude. But um, with Dead by Stereo, I don't know if you um ever notice um whenever sort of like the drums do sort of like a fail, the it always comes like lands on the backbeat. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's so it's so weird. It's like so unique unique with that by stereo and it's it's one of those those things that sort of like got me hooked to them noticing those kind of like little details in the songs um that the drummer would like lead um after the fills that, that sort of like caught up to me and uh and i was like oh wow that's pretty cool and um uh, yeah and i and i fell in love with the band yeah man oh dude they 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 were one of my my first first real loves when it came to um really really enjoying a drum performance from a band cuz like being in punk rock a lot of the times you're dealing with like okay it's the same beats and blah 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 and you know you're more focused on like the just the overall energy and the lyrical content maybe but death by stereo is like and honestly every musician in that band is just so fucking good like and the nicest freaking dudes too like the, the whole lot JP Rob um, Ephraim, Dan, Mike, they were like the wickest dudes. We were, uh, oh dude, um, this, this like blew my mind. Um, we were, we were on a tour in Europe, um, with the creep show and we, we had a show in Munster, Germany, um, a place called rare, rare guitar, which is every single time we tour Europe, we play in rare guitar. We, if we have a day off, we say, yep, let's play in rare guitar just because we love it. We get treated so well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we, we had these last minute show in rare guitar he, he was like sold out and dead by stereo were on tour and their tour was starting the day after hours during Munster. so they came to the show to like hang out because i had previously met them like a few years before yeah um and and dude and you can imagine like your favorite band coming to see you play it was just like oh my god what is this <laughs> that's so sick man yeah it was so cool yeah i couldn't i couldn't even imagine that man or like strung out coming to see you play and it's funny because uh i don't i don't know if you uh follow him at all but their new drummer rj shanko is a fucking beast 
He's an absolute monster of a drummer, dude. Oh my god! And and one of the first tours he did with them uh, was with uh, it was Pennywise and Strung Out, and I saw them in Kitchener. And right. as we're walking out after Pennywise, he was sitting by the by the merch booth, and I just I had to talk to him. I was like, dude, you fucking crushed it tonight! Like that was sick, and. Their drummers, uh, their old drummer Jordan, I believe his Mr. name. Mr. Jordan Burns, yeah. Yeah, he he's he's legendary. Like He's a legend. Dude. He's a legendary drummer. Yeah, like he 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 changed the game. And that was another yeah, drummer. Man. Like that's why like Strung Out and and Death by Stereo like really drum focused bands as far as I'm concerned. But uh yep. Yeah. I agree with you. And I I ended up chatting with him online and stuff like that a little bit after and he was like yeah, like had some gnarly shoes to fill on that one, man. I was like, yeah, oh, dude, but n- big time. But having to fill Jordan Burns shoes, oh, I I couldn't even imagine it, man. Having to play those parts, uh, like it's just insane. But he's he's crushing it. Their latest record, um, that he did with them is fucking sick. Those guys, incredible. Those guys, I kind of like when I got into metal, I kind of like fell off the punk rock train, and then uh, within the last like three, four years, maybe I've gotten back into a lot more punk bands like like uh started listening to a lot more leftover crack again and, and yeah and uh you know and then i i started diving into some of the later strung out records and they are fucking sick dude like uh agents of the underground and transmission alpha delta are absolutely incredible records like, dude if you so if you like sort of like that technicality of strung out have you had the chance um you might have have um to listen to the band um, a will and scream i know that i have listened to them and i have some good friends who will probably be listening right now and uh be screaming at their stereo because they have told me to listen to them a million times um and now i will listen to them i'm writing it down right now i'm going to check them out tonight and probably fall in love with it and they'll see posts about it tomorrow um but uh yeah i i've heard all right if you okay if you're gonna listen to them i'm gonna i'm gonna totally uh, recommend you a song then okay what song um let me just find it uh i'm pretty sure it's called skid row skid row skid row yeah okay let me just double check it might be skid rock it's it is a skid rock. Okay, skid rock. <laughs> That's the one. Sick, man. Yeah. All right. I'll all right. I'll check them out. A Willem scream. Skid rock. Oh, and um, and the the bass players. I'm pretty sure it's from Ontario. Brian. Yeah, I know they're they're kind of local dudes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the band the band's from Boston. I'm pretty sure, but Brian's from from here. Oh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Um, dude. Uh, and another band that. I didn't even realize they were Canadian until later years was Belvedere. Yeah, man. And they I got I got a chance to see them a couple years back and they played here recently, which my buddy Howlett didn't tell me about. We we are both huge fans. Um and uh, I'm I'm still a little angry about it cuz I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not in tune with shows right now, but uh yeah, and they they are absolutely fucking sick. I love Belvedere, Dude, man. Now that you mentioned Belvedere, it's funny that 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 you know that name comes in conversation cuz Belvedere um at the time in Venezuela, this would have been 2002, 2003. 
maybe 2000, even 2001. I remember it was super young. I, I, I like, I shouldn't have been at a punk rock show. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, because it was way underage. But out of all the bands, Belvedere um, came to Caracas, to my city in Venezuela, and to play a show. And I went, and I just, I was mind blown by the technicality of the band and like the songs and. Yeah, it was sort of like my first real experience to like an international punk rock band. It was Belvedere. Yeah. Would that have been like when they were touring for like Angels Live in My Town, that type of era, Belvedere? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, that record specifically is fucking amazing. Like that was my album by them. I know a lot of people uh, really enjoyed like Fast Forward Eats the Tape in 2004 that was released. But Angels- that was that was my favorite for sure. Yeah, yeah, dude. Angels live in my town, man. That was sick. And then, oh, it just gets me on like no use for a name. Uh, was another. Oh, don't even get bands. me started with no use for a name, dude. Oh. I, I cried when that Tony Sly passed away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, cle- I I like I remember he he will um, will always be my favorite songwriter of all time. And um, I remember when um when I found out that he died, I was working like at a hotel at the time back in in Australia and. Like I couldn't like hold back the tears <laughs> just because I don't know. I was devastated to find out that, you know, he had died. Oh, wow. Dude, honestly, I, I didn't even know. So, wow. <laughs> I, that's how out of the loop I, I am. So, wow, that sucks to hear. But, uh, yeah. Wow, the things you find out just from having conversations with people. Fuck. I know. Dude, that's crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Um... Do you have a favorite Death by Stereo song? Mm, looking out for number one. Looking out for number one. That's that's your jam, eh? That is, especially from the, like, if you if you listen to it, the very big beginning of the song, it starts with this crazy drum fill. Mm-hmm. With um, it was it was pretty much, I think it was the first punk rock band that I've heard that that, that had double kick. Yeah. So that was sort of like that had that metal element to it, to it, because I I always love metal too. But I was always always sort of like inclined more to punk rock. But of course, I love metal as well. Um, yeah. But Dead by Stereo, that that song, the way that it starts with that, you gotta, I mean, you gotta listen to it. It's brilliant the way that um that back in the day, that drummer, I'm pretty sure Todd was the drummer at that time, did that. That um that song yeah. oh it's fantastic yeah 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 he would have been I I I know I know the fill that you're talking about that starts off the song and it is it is fucking it is fucking sick as fuck I I think I I want to say and I know it's been a while since I've listened to this record but for some reason in my head uh, holding sixty dollars uh, on a, a burning bridge is like was always kind of my go-to song and I don't know why maybe it was just the song name that intrigued me uh I know that whole record is fucking sick day of the death is is like front to back every single song is is bang oh, amazing man. that yeah that record's an amazing record I I never I still haven't seen them live I really I didn't get a chance to back when they're touring um around that that time frame and 
I think the one show I was going to go to got canceled or something. They didn't get over the border or something happened. And then I just kind of fell out of that scene. And I was so disappointed because back in the day they would talk about like, oh, the vocalist has this huge pink mohawk and he like jumps into the crowd and like moshes and like trips people with his mic cable. It's the most like chaotic, like crazy fucking show you've ever been to. And I was like, holy fuck, that sounds like so much fun. Um, (laughs) but, and then I never got to see them and I was like, fuck, it's so disappointed, man. And then, ah, dude, they're, they're amazing life. They're, they're sort of like stage presence. Mm -hmm. They, they have the most amazing moves. Um, you, you, you can tell that that they practice them, but, but of of course, you know, at at this level, you gotta do that. Um, but their their stage presence is just amazing. They're the show they put, it's, it's, it's a whole, the whole package. It's entertainment. Yeah. It's an, an amazing thing to see, and um, dude, if you get the chance, they released a record last year. Um, I think it's called uh, "World World Dying Just in Time." Okay, um, they it's their latest record. You should you should check it out because it is a wicked wicked record. Okay, uh, Death by Stereo new album. Fucking listen to it. That's excellent. I am so stoked. Now I'm getting all the. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for providing me with all this stuff to listen to now. I've been looking no for problem. some new albums. <laughs> uh, all right, right. Drums. Uh, we're drummers. We do that thing. Uh, you are with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. You have been for a couple years now. What yep. What? Uh, what sticks are you playing from Lost Cabos? What's your go-to? Um, my to-go is the White Hickory 5B Intense. Oh, you like the little little longer of a stick, eh? Yeah, yeah. Before before Los Cabos, my to go were the Vaders. Um, oh, we don't say that word here. We don't. Oops. We don't. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Beep. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I used to play with the with the the model they had called Power, which also had sort of like that extra length. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I always, I always liked drumsticks with a bit of uh, that were a bit longer than traditional ones because they felt that it had a bit more control. Um, by the time you like really crack, you know, the drum kit, because because again, as I, as I said, I, I like to hit the drums hard, and my to go thing, it's always I always hit um, a ring shot on the snare, for instance. So I always found that having that bit of extra length behind the stick would always give me a, a more control hit yeah and that's why i i decide to to you know to play with a bit of extra length on the sticks yeah man uh i i always found that the more stick the more likely i'm going to get it caught under a cymbal or like when i'm doing a roll down on like to the floor tom i'm gonna get i tend to get it caught under my ride or something so yeah. and i i did play the intense for uh, a little bit i've tried out almost like every single model that lost cabos has except for like the the jazz and phil keeps sending me these jazz sticks like here just just have a pair like try them out like no i don't not going to play that i know you know like i'm going (laughs) to break this in two seconds um and uh honestly for me too like i love the white hickory White Hickory is my way to go. They keep trying to push me to play the Red Hickory because it's like their thing, and I love it. And I know so many uh, Los Cabos guys that that live and die by the Red Hickory, and it's great. They can have that. I love the White Hickory. Uh, I think that it's fantastic the way it is. I don't. I don't. I don't know. The Red Hickory just it doesn't 
feel the same to me. Doesn't have the well, same. Well, I have I have to admit to you that um recently with the Creepshow record a couple of weeks ago, I recorded it with the red hickories Ooh. instead of my typical white hickories. Now, did you do that because it had a little more weight to it? So you got like you were able to get more power out of the drums without exerting yourself as much is was that exactly yeah that's exactly the reason why i did it yeah they felt slightly slightly heavier than the white hickories Mm -hmm. that i normally use when i play live Mm -hmm. um but but again they were they were fantastic and i did not break a pair playing the like doing the the entire record so yeah shout out to phil (laughs) for making wicked drumsticks (laughs) yeah that's one thing i'll say like the red hickory you you don't break them I don't think I've yeah, ever man. broken a, a a pair of red hickory. Uh, I will break some white hickory ones, and I'm okay. I'm okay with breaking some sticks now and again. It makes me, it almost makes me feel powerful when I break a stick, and I'm like, yeah, that's fucking right. I'm laying into it so hard, I'm breaking them. You know. Meanwhile, yeah. Well, except except when you're, I don't know if, well, of course it's happened to you that you're in the middle of playing a song, and then all of a sudden you feel the weight of one of your sticks, and you're like, oh oh, yeah. It's broken. <laughs> yeah, you just throw it, grab it. I always have my stick holder with a, at least a couple pairs in it. Yeah, even for rehearsal, yeah, me too. Right? I, I actually, I actually have. Um, lately, what I've been doing when I play live, I have two, two set up, um, one on each side of the drum. So I have one attached to my hi hat that has uh, two pairs, sort of like pointing towards me, and I have um, another pair on the floor tom. So it doesn't matter or like where I'm at, where I'm at the kid at the time of the song that I break the stick. So I know that I'm, you know, half left or right to, to grab it either, you know, if I, or I lose a stick, left hand, right hand, I got it in both sides. So that's, that's helped me a lot with, with live shows. And especially when you play sort of like hard and loud, you know, sticks tend to fly <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> they do. It, the worst is when you go to do a stick trick and it doesn't pan out and you look like an idiot. That happens yeah. a lot to me. Um, so, and dude, I, I started using, uh, two B's for the last rehearsal I had. And, um, I usually use either 55 AB or mm-hmm. cause I, I love, I love those sticks so much. They feel so nice. Uh, or the just five B's five B's are, are kind of my go-to. Uh, but I had some two B's and I was like, a lot of the drummers that I, I I've been following recently use like rock sticks or like big ass branches, and I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I need to start doing that. Maybe I need to like just get used to it because I I've done it before, and then um, uh, I just noticed I I can't do like stick spin stick spins or anything like that as well with a two B, and I was like, ah, I I I can't do this. I need to be <laughs> able to do stick spins easily. You know, and I need at the at the most a five B. So, yeah, that's. I it. mean, the the two Bs are are amazing, and definitely uh, I try them. I think Phil might have sent me a pair of two Bs mm-hmm. a couple times, and yeah, they're they're amazing, yeah. especially if you're sort of like playing groovy, groovy stuff, and they just make the the, the drums just crack, which is what you want. Yeah, I love them, but I I can't spin them as easy because they're too thick. So sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play them live. I'll play them in studio. Like, sure, why not? But live, I need something a little thinner, easy to spin and throw in the air and catch and all that stuff. So. Oh, man, this, um, I, I don't think I've ever, I mean, live, 
Uh, yeah, well, yeah, with, I, I've broken a few Los Gabos um, sticks playing live. Um, I maybe, st- I mean, of course, spin tricks. When you miss them, you just look, you know, you look like a fool. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I I have a significant memory of I don't know if you can remember specific times where you like drop a stick or whatever because it would have been like playing a specific show and you're like, oh no, I messed up that part. Um. I specifically remember one that we're in the middle of the set. Um, we're playing in France. We're playing Hellfest a couple of years ago. Oh, fuck. And I remember <laughs> I dropped a stick in the middle of a song. And I was just like, my brain, of course, I had already picked up the stick. But at the time, my, bre- my brain just keep going like, oh, my God, I drop a stick. I drop a stick. But without even realizing that I had already picked one up and it was already in my hand and it was just like back on the song. So it was, it was, I don't know, it was pretty funny how your brain sort of like can play a trick on you at a time like that when you're sort of like so focused in at the task, you know? Yeah, and your your muscle memory was just like, all right, dropped it and then picked it up. Meanwhile, mentally, you're still like processing the fact that you dropped a stick in front of <laughs> yeah. like 20,000 people. Like, yeah, exactly. You know? Oh, fuck. All right, so that leads me to my next question. What? Is the worst thing that has ever happened to you on stage? Uh, like technical difficulties, uh, like worst show, backline, anything. Is there anything that happened on stage that was just like, holy fuck, this is, you know, pretty rough? Self-inflicted counts? That counts, yeah, 100%. Being too drunk and you fall over or something, like anything like well, that. I, I don't do that anymore because I found that um I don't I, like I don't touch a drop of booze well I most of the times <laughs> I try not to touch a drop of booze before I play a show um because I I kind of like found that it makes your muscles very tense and you sort of it makes you sort of like get your muscles locked and then you're not as loose as you could be mm-hmm. if you if you had like a couple drinks before playing a show some people you know say that you know you do it to get relaxed or whatever prior to a show but as a drummer i think it's a big a big thing not to drink before playing drums which takes me to that moment (laughs) in uh 2016 i was with my old band the resignators playing here in canada we're in quebec at a a place called drummondville um and we're we're on tour with another stomp band uh called los kung fu monkeys which are like a band from mexico slash la but they're they have a couple um records that being released on stomp so we were on tour with them and um, playing Drummondville. Their drummer on that tour, Nathan, who's from Calgary, um, said to me, oh, dude, they have my favorite beer on tap here. It's a, a Quebec beer. And silly me, at the time, I didn't know that Quebec beers makes the most fucking strong beer that you can ever have in your entire life. Yeah. And <laughs> been there, So man. I'm sitting, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm sitting on the bar with him before we play, sort of like after a sound check, you know, Crowd started to arrive and whatever. And we start drinking a beer called Fin du Monde, which um, means the end of the world. And I didn't know. <laughs> and the beer was like freaking 11% alcohol. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so I have a pint. I have a second pint. Then Nate goes to play. I have another pint. I have another pint. So I had like four beers before playing a show. You know, I'm feeling good. I get out of my seat and dude, and I was just like, oh, no. 
I'm gonna ruin this show. <laughs> Immediately regret hits you. Like, oh fuck, I am hammered. Yeah. And I remember I did the count for the first song and I started playing a complete different song. So in the middle of the set, we're playing like a song and the guitar player Steve turns around to me and I can just see his lips. He's just playing guitar and screaming, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, not happy. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that that's that's the one that tops it for me. Yeah, definitely, man. And that that is almost like a wake up call of like, okay, we're not going to drink before the set anymore, no matter what. Like, yep. Yeah. I. I have definitely had situations like that. Uh, we, as a band, have had times like that uh, where, like, mo- maybe not all the members, but majority of the members uh, might have indulged a little too much pre-show and the whole, like, everything was just a goddamn mess. Uh, but I, once we started actually, like, touring, uh, I always had the rule of I can have two beers uh in the afternoon only two though two drinks uh and then once doors open no alcohol whatsoever so uh yeah no no alcohol after doors and just water and caffeine until after our set like that was always my thing so i'd give myself two beers in the afternoon and then from the time doors open to when we play i can work those off and then I'd be, uh, you know, right as rain to play the set because, and I've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast, but like we, when we go on tour, we're leaving everything behind, you know, sometimes it's our, our, our day jobs or careers on that level of things or like our family. And for some people it's their, their wives and children and stuff. And why are you going to go out just to get drunk on stage and play like shit, you know, like if you're leaving so much behind, you want to put everything into it. Right. So yeah. 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 That, that's true. But I mean, I guess, I guess it's also that I've, I've noticed sort of like, um, um, throughout tours and, you know, different years and stuff. I've noticed that, um, it, it really depends on sort of like where the band is at. Um, mm-hmm. If it's a band sort of like it's the first time going on tour or maybe just one of the first times going on tour, you know, a lot and they have sort of like their full time job at home, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people um, tend to see it sort of like a holiday. Yeah. And and an opportunity to do nothing but that. But, you know, how about good time? Yeah. And but yeah, but there's there's also the bands that, you know, when you're, I guess, a bit more mature in that sense, um, you don't do that as much. Yeah, there's that there's there's definitely a line of professionalism that you need to kind of figure out which side you're on. Like if if you're a touring band and yeah, like guys in their like early 20s, late teens, whatever, they go out on the road for the first time. It's exciting, man. Like I remember that moment of like leaving home packing the trailer up and we're going across the country on tour to play fucking six shows over two weeks, you know, like, but it's exciting, man. And yeah, you, you definitely exciting. Yeah. You want to have those drinks and make those memories and, and, and have those awesome times. Uh, then it gets to the point where it's like, okay, I actually want to do this for a living like that. You know, that's a, a goal. And 
you start getting opportunities that if if you end up drinking and getting too drunk and playing like shit in front of the wrong people, those opportunities can go away really quick. 100%. So 100%. you got to be on it. Um, like keep a, keep a sober head and like do your partying and everything like that. But don't, don't like sacrifice the live show just for your own good time because dude at the end of the day too you're there for the fans you're there to put on a great show for the fans it's not you know it's not just about you having a good time as well yeah exactly so and and you know what and especially now us since we're talking about drummers as drummers i feel that we have that responsibility that more than any other member of the band Mm -hmm. we uh, the, the way that i see it and the way that i sort of like tie like to approach shows uh, especially sort of like big magnitude shows or like big uh, like a lot of thousands of people shows the way that i like to approach it is you know me as the drummer and the the person responsible of maintaining the band out there you know the maintaining the songs that are up there maintaining the tempo maintaining the energy up maintaining the dynamics of the song so if you're hammered you're not going to be able to do any of those things (laughs) yeah exactly so so we have a lot of responsibility behind the kit. Um, we're in control of what's going to happen for the next 45 hour, hour and a half that the set, the set's going to be, you know? So mm-hmm. that's sort of like how I like to like to approach it, you know, that I have to be responsible enough that I can do my job and, you know, be make make sure that the band does the right thing, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Like, uh, honestly, that's why I have click tracks. It keeps me uh, on 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 point because if I was drinking and uh, I didn't have uh, click tracks in my ear, oh, my God, it'd be an absolute catastrophe up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I think we're going on like uh, over an hour and a half now. Uh, this has been a this has been a really fun chat getting to know you, man. Uh, we had, yeah, man, this has been awesome. Yeah. thank you so much. Oh, dude, my pleasure, my pleasure, man. And I know that we are probably gonna see more of each other as I uh, I'm gonna be working with the anti queens, and I know you, you're uh, you're you're pretty close with them. I think. Yeah, right. I am indeed. Yeah. I am very close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so we'll we'll definitely uh, actually get to meet each other in the future. I'm sure our paths have crossed in the in the past, but uh, yeah, man. yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have. Um, yeah, man, I would love to see you at um at that Toronto show if you got the chance. Oh, dude, absolutely, December fourth. I'll I'll fucking be there. I I leave December fifth. I think I leave the next day to go to Montreal because uh, I haven't booked my flight yet, but I think I'm going to, f- I think I'm going to fly, dude. Um, I'm December 6th through 12th. I'm recording the new Crimson Shadows record in Montreal. So yeah, I'm pumped for that. But um, I, yeah, man, I looked at flights and they're only like $166. That's amazing. Uh, and just think about driving uh, a van <laughs> with my drums out to Montreal, like gas prices right now, I can't even get to Montreal for <laughs> for that price. For that price, yeah, and I can get to Montreal and back on a plane for that for one hundred. That's crazy, man. Oh, How dude, insane. I can't I can't wait to like be on a airplane again and be able to go to places and play shows. I know, right? Like, uh, I'm I, I'm very excited to to 
to play this show in Ottawa uh, this Saturday. This this will be coming out on Monday the 15th. Um, so I will have already played the show in Ottawa, and I hope it went great. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure you killed it. Yeah, I slayed it, man. <laughs> oh, my God. The blast beats were fucking perfect. It was great. Um <laughs> Yeah, man. So definitely, I will. Uh, I'm gonna try to make that uh, December fourth show. Hard luck. Oh yes. Ah, uh, hard luck bar. It's gonna be great, man. Are you ready for the the three uh, stair, the three levels of stairs to climb up and bring your gear through? And uh dude, I I said this to Sean um, at the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. I said to him, I will never ever complain again about loading in or loading out gear after what we've been through over the last couple of years yeah i will gladly load them up the i will gladly help you take your base rig up the stairs that weighs like three thousand tons oh my god that's no right. problem yeah he's <laughs> a stand-up base as fucking hell that thing is huge eh oh. yeah man He's got and luckily he's got um he's got another we 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 got sort of like um we got gear here in North America and we have uh like gear in Europe so whenever we go there so we don't have to take like the big things you know which is awesome so we we keep it all in Europe for whenever we're there um so Sean's got another bass um I got another drum kit over there and we got guitar amps etc so whenever we go we I we only take sort of like breakables which is amazing so what kind of drum kit do you have in Europe it's also Yamaha stage custom. Oh, okay. So you're just rocking the same thing. Yeah. You should you should get hooked up by Yamaha. Oh, I wish. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'll, t- I'll talk to some people. We'll see if we can make it happen for you. We'll see. Nice. I, I think I know some people over at Yamaha. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Please sign me. Uh, yeah. If not, then we'll just, we'll get you on uh, Team Apex and me, you, and... and Good old Samantha Landa. <laughs> we can all party together on Team Mapex and Los Cabos, and it'll be great. Oh, dude, I've, I've always loved Mapex um, because of Jordan Burns from Strung Out. That was, I always sort of like um, wanted, wanted like a Mapex drum kid because of him, because he was sort of like my, my hero at the time. Oh shit! I didn't even know he was with Mapex at the time, man. I yeah. as much I love I love RJ and like he he's fucking sick. But I am I am a little sad that uh, that he's not playing with them anymore. You know, me me too, man. Me yeah. too. Like Jordan's like such a legend in the game, especially in punk rock music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyways, uh, so on that note, that's super uh, definitely. Uh, not a downer. Uh, <laughs> anyways, all right, everybody, if you don't know Creep Show, go fucking check them out. They will have a new album out sometime next year, so be on the lookout for that. Do you get a? Do you have an album title or anything? Or are you not? Uh, no, not not really. We haven't we haven't thought of that. We're just sort okay. of like focused, fully focusing on the songs right now. I know that um um Kenda's already been to do some vocal tracks um. Chuck's been to do some guitar. Sean's done some ba- laid, laid some basses down. So, so it's getting there. It's getting there. Sick. All right. So yeah, you guys are still in in, in the process. That's awesome. So sometime next year, twenty twenty two. Early, early, early next year. I'm sure. Early next year. You guys also have a European tour. 
Uh, yes, May finally, 25th dude. through June 11th. That's fucking sick. Are there any openers on that tour, or right now is it just you guys announced? And, and um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I need I'll I need to um I'll have to find out. Um, at the time it's it's sort of like our headline tour. Um, but I'm super excited about that. We play. We're gonna play in cities that we love a lot. That we just whenever we go to Europe, places and specific venues that we love playing. Like um, SO36 in Berlin, that's um, one of those legendary venues in Europe, sort of um, in Hamburg. And, you know, we have places that we love to play in Dusseldorf. Um, Dusseldorf. Yeah, uh, I think amazing. It, I think that was one of the last places we played on our our last European run, and the venue was like half falling apart, and we were like praying that like we're the, there was rumors that the show might get moved to the other venue because the venue was like not allowed to function because the roof was caving in. Um, so we were like praying that it got moved to the nice venue in Dusseldorf, uh, but. The show went on, and I believe it was the last show to ever happen in that venue. Um, so that's pretty. On that tour, we that was the last show to ever happen in that venue. And in Nijmegen, in Netherlands, we were the first show to ever happen in their big room. Uh, they had two rooms there. One was, I think, uh, a thousand or eleven hundred cap, and the other one was like five hundred. We played the big room, and that was the first show to ever happen there. So that was pretty pretty cool. That on the same awesome. tour, we had the yeah the first and the last. So that's oh, that's dude, rad. I remember a venue in Germany. I think it's in a town called Mac Magdeburg. Um, the the green room of the venue was sort of like separated from the back of the stage where you go to like on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um. The green room, it was kind of like a bunker from World War II, which was so creepy, like so fucking creepy. There was definitely, definitely some shit down there. Yeah. Well, we, Uh, oh, fuck, we played one, I want to say it was somewhere in Poland that was related to World War II in some way, Um, and they transformed it into a venue after uh okay fuck, what city of poland was that uh, i want to say it was warsaw but i honestly okay. yeah i want to say that's where it was was in warsaw but i can't oh, warsaw remember. is amazing it's such a cool place yeah it was fucking badass some of the venues on that tour were so sick though like uh, uh, dude I european Europe. venues are some yeah man some of the venues in europe are just another level and level of hospitality in europe it's like so nice the way they they treat artists and they the hospitality people will treat treat you and you know be sort of like on the ball with everything and anything that you need it's it's like so nice dude we were in hungary and there was a masseuse in the venue just like you want a massage here you go like all day long (laughs) just anytime if you wanted a massage there's a masseuse um, where the fuck what like what i we played fucking death metal dude like this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) well we were in we were in um we were in, in that hellfest um I remember the the backstage area. It was massive. Like I can't even describe the like the size of this festival um, and the size of the backstage area. So each band has sort of like a ship container mm-hmm. allocated to them. Um, so you'll be sort of like I don't know at the front of your green room, and you'll see like the craziest people just walking past, 
and um and there was there was like a masseuse there there was like a barber there was like like anything and everything that you need there was like a tattoo artist there was like just for you know for the band it was crazy yeah um and besides that you will be sort of like walking around and then all of a sudden i don't know like gene simmons will walk next to you and you'll be like oh my god <laughs> that's fucking gene simmons yeah, dude. Like, I, I love festivals for that, man. Like, uh, even like Heavy MTL. Have you have you played Heavy MTL? No, but I, I've I've heard of it. Okay, I know. I'm pretty sure Creep Show has played before, but okay. yeah, um, yeah, actually, yeah, I think they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I was uh, teching for uh, my buddies in Battlecross one year, and um, yeah, we're we're backstage, and it's just like there was um, oh fuck. I can't even remember who now, but there's just like so many of my favorite bands ever just, and we're all just like sitting around having pints and like, I hold the door open and it's like for, for a bath from a mortal and you know, like <laughs> that's like, amazing. Yeah. Dude, and like him without corpse paint on was crazy. And then an hour later, there he is full corpse paint, full get up and everything, holding like a tall can of Canadian just in the sun, standing by himself, just like in the middle of, it was like, it was crazy, man. It was awesome to see. And him riding on a golf cart in full corpse paint was fucking sick. That's so cool. I would, I would have yeah. loved to see that. Yeah. I love the, the festivals are fucking sick, man. And even, um, we played Valken in 2013 and, you oh, know, yeah, that's just, such a cool festival. Just being like backstage and like all the guys from Lamb of God are there and everyone's just so chilling and cool. Like, you know, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter who you are. Like you could just talk to anyone and everyone seems like super chill. Uh, like, I don't know. It's sick. I love it. Oh dude, that, um, with Lamb of God, um, I remember they play Hellfest that same year. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the last tours that Chris Adler did. And, um, I just remember being sighted and just being just like blown away by him. Oh dude. He's so good. He's so incredible, yeah, man. man. Awesome guy. Uh, okay. Hold on. We're, we're, we'll start. We're still chatting here. Fuck it. Um, let's just keep going a bit. I, I'm i curious. You mentioned about uh, Metallica being one of your first bands that you got into of like the heavy genre. Um, what what was the first song you remember hearing by Metallica that you're like, okay, yeah, like I like this like heaviness? Um, Blackened. Blackened? Holy shit, dude. Yeah, that was the first song I've ever heard by Metallica. Fucking sick. That's uh, dude, for me it was like fuel. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was like hard 90s Metallica that was that was where it was at at the time when I was like 10 cuz uh, I'm born in 87, so yeah, around Yep, around same year. Time. <laughs> oh, fuck sick, dude. So, yeah, dude, 87s, man. That's where it's at. I, I That's I where it's it. at. I knew it. I knew there was something about you that I liked and that that's it. That makes sense now. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm definitely um definitely the next song I heard by Metallica after getting introduced um to them by with that song was Feel. <laughs> I clearly remember listening to Feel and being like, whoa, this has been so fucking sick. Dude, and I don't care what anyone says. Like, Fuel is a fucking kick-ass tune, man. It's a kick-ass record. Yeah, dude. I, load and Reload are great albums. Great production. Like, great songs. Like, ah, whatever. I'm no, I'm not an elitist anymore. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, and you said that uh, next was like Blink-182. 
Um, and we're when when Travis joined was when I kind of like I knew some of their stuff off Dude Ranch. I will say that, but it wasn't until Enema that I like really, really got into them. Um, yeah, that that record was just huge in every way, especially for I guess our generation. Um, I'm being sort of like starting to get into drums and started to get into like punk rock music. Seeing what Travis Barker was doing then was so like original, and it was just like no one else was doing that in the game, like in punk rock music. Yeah, even though you know they went, they were like huge, were a mainstream band, but the things that he, he was doing at the time were just crazy. Like he's so fast, so hard hitting, so creative, so tasteful with everything that he did, and and you can hear that on the record. It's like so non traditional drumming drum parts to a like a, a punk rock band would be you know yeah now uh i i'll say like take off your pants and jacket i still listen to that album all the time uh that yeah, that, that album is a fucking goddamn sonic masterpiece like, it is every single song is just an absolute banger yeah yeah it, it's fucking incredible and what he does drum wise on it to like every part builds so nicely and his fills are so creative like that and that's like the perfect word for it too like it's shit that i would never think to do like little bell hits in the middle of fills and stuff that are just like and hi-hat chokes it's just like fucking awesome like killer yeah shit. man yeah dude i'm with blank i remember my my to-go thing was when I was like really getting into drums and I was already, you know, decent enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would just play that the live record that they, they released. Yeah. I think the, the Mark it was Tom and Travis a, show. That's the one. Yeah. Dude, I would just like play it front to back on the kit, like nonstop. Every day I would just like play it on and on and on and on. And I'm pretty sure if I if I like sat on my kit and played it, I could like, you know, I could like get through it. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> I very specifically remember just playing that record over and over and over again, like song after song after song. I just like at the time I knew it like the palm of my hand. Yeah. Do you know? All right. So I heard uh, something funny about that kind of era of of him. Um, and it, I heard it on uh, the Downbeat podcast, actually. I'll give I'll give. Craig Reynolds a shout out on that one. Um, it was on there that apparently during that time frame, it was actually Mike Johnston talking about it. Um, but during that time frame, uh, the early two thousands, Travis Live would have no monitors whatsoever. All right, that's insane. So <laughs> they're playing huge festivals, and their backline, like all the guitar amps, are in front of him. He has no monitors, no in-ears, no nothing. And Mike Johnson said he, he talked to him and was like, dude, like, how, how do you do this? Like, how do you hear them? He's like, I don't. I literally, I count in the song and then I sing the song in my head and they just follow me. And it's like, dude, you are fucking badass. <laughs> like, dude, how? That's insane. That is, That's fucking crazy. In front of like 50,000 people, 100,000 people. I don't know how massive those festivals were back then, but they were huge. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to play by myself and hope that those guys play along with me. Like, how the fuck? The fucking balls on this guy, eh? Like, fuck, That's, that's fucking crazy, dude. And something similar that I've heard that I've... But it's more the band that do that. It's um when they play live, it's Rage Against the Machine. I've heard that um 
that when they when they play live, I haven't had the chance to see them. Um, but I've heard that um, they sit up and they only have sort of like the stage sound on there. They don't have sort of like monitors or anything. They like to keep it on the stage like it was like a, a jam, essentially. Oh, shit, eh? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that like blew my mind. Yeah. That's nuts. Oh, especially a band that size playing the stages that they're on. Yeah, it's man. Like, fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that would be. Oh. Anyways, all right. On that note, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, it has been awesome talking to you, my friend, and uh, we'll have to do it again at some point because I feel like we could just like talk about punk rock and drummers for a long time. And it's nice. It's it's nice getting to talk about uh, like punk rock stuff because it's very much so a part of the heavy genre and, and everything like that. And, and we focus a lot more on like death metal, I guess, and blast beats because it's fun. But yep. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome getting to hear the perspective of a, uh, of a punk drummer and, and everything like that. So thank you very <laughs> much for, for coming on and chatting with me today, man. No, dude, thank you for having me. It's, it's been awesome. I've been, I've been checking out a few of your episodes. I, um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. And thanks for, for doing what you're doing and, um, giving sort of like, um, a space for us to sit all the way at the back <laughs> to, you know, to, uh, to chat to each other and you know and just hang out and talk about different experiences and different funny shit that we go through when we go on tour that's it dude and like there's so many podcasts that are like uh they are not even just podcasts but so many interviews just want to talk to the vocalist or like the guitar player who like writes the music and stuff like it's very rare that the drummer gets asked to do interviews so i was like fuck it (laughs) i want to talk to drummers i love drummers like Let's let's fucking do this shit, man. You know? Yeah, man. Let's, awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for doing that. And as that. long as no bass players are listening to this podcast, then we're good. Cause fuck fuck bass players. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, dude. All right. All right. So just stay on the line, but we're gonna say goodbye. Um a fake goodbye to everybody, but then just stay on the line and then we'll we'll uh keep talking and it'll be great. All right. All Sweet. right. So Take care. See you later. Keep drumming. All that type of stuff. Thank you for for coming on, Allie. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, dude. It's been awesome. 